Hi fam, welcome to the Faith and Fandom Podcast. This is Hector Mirai, and today we're continuing with our series, so I'm finally watching The Chosen. Today we're going to be talking about The Chosen Season 2, Episodes 4 and 5, specifically focusing around the paralytic man at the pools, Simon the Zealot, and John the Baptist. So, first off, this is a story that I've been familiar with, The Paralytic Man at the Pools, like, my Christian life. But it's never seemed like a big game changer in terms of the setting of it. I've never really thought more about this man's life than what, you know, it took to know that he needed a miracle. So the fact that they actually gave us such a deep backstory for this guy, and then also tied it to Simon the Zealot, was just really, really good. And to give us such a solid life of what it would look like growing up in that position and how hopeless that scenario is, but also... It gives us a really good perspective of when we're desperate and it feels like when we trust God, things don't things don't happen the way we think they should. How easy it is to turn to other things the way that, you know, he turned to a pagan pool or a pagan ritual or anything like that. And the reality is most of us aren't any different that we're looking for something that's going to give us more immediate answers and healing on a faster place. But um you know, it's it's a big deal to actually think of the backstories when we're reading scripture and we're listening to things to actually realize that these people had much bigger lives than we understood just from what we saw on the screen in those capacities and what we saw in print in those capacities. Um, one of the lines, though, that really just stood out to me, it was just funny of uh, these people are hungry for the word and I'm hungry for breakfast. Y'all, the reality that ministry is done by people and people have practical needs, it's just, it's just a real thing. Um, let's just say this. Talking about Simon the Zealot, though, um, my entire life, when I'm talking about Simon the Zealot or when I've read about Simon the Zealot, I pictured Simon the Zealot as just somebody a little more excitable a little more uh, hyperactive, like zealous, like he's just, you know, he's a little extra, like he's the guy that wants to do too many crafts at VBS or something, not that he was a freaking terrorist or an assassin, um, I just never put that thought combination together, but, you know, I get it, and that makes a lot more sense, so knowing that not only was uh, Peter quick with a sword that you could have potentially had somebody that literally was like freaking assassin's creed up in the disciples it it makes for some interesting conversations around the campfire nonetheless um so giving us a a, a good perspective on simon zealot is a solid endeavor and i did enjoy that um and so i think that's i think that's pretty interesting with that um and also the fact that how many times I've heard the Feast of Tabernacles before and never realized how intricate and detailed of a thing it was and how much work that would take and what it was like for all of these people to actually have to live in little booths and stuff for that capacity. Um, that, you know, we don't do enough stuff 
as, you know, modern day Protestant Christian believers to actually really put ourselves in those shoes. And, you know, I was even thinking about today as I'm recording this, it is, um, it's Mardi Gras. Like, so tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. And like, I've just had on my mind, it's just like, we don't like, I'm going to see a lot of my Catholic friends and more, uh, Catholic leaning friends doing their Ash Wednesday stuff tomorrow. And I'm just like, we don't do enough to remind ourselves about what we come from even spiritually. I know we're not all Israelites, but we come from a spiritual history. But anyway, the Feast of uh, Tabernacles really kind of put that in my mind as well. Um, I really did love the line uh, where it said that everyone has wandered in the wilderness at some point. Um, you know, you know, just because we're not Jews that wandered in the wilderness, we have all wandered in the wilderness at some point, And that really, really hit home. Um, one of the things that hit me, uh, hardest, and I kind of wished they lingered on it a little bit longer was when Jesus was walking into the city and he was walking past people being crucified. That was a hard moment. That was a good moment, but, uh, I really, I would have liked a little more over dramatic representation of that, but still, um, that moment was very powerful all on its own. Um, and when Jesus walked up to, uh, Jesse, the paralytic man, and he, he shalomed him, he said, shalom me. <laughs> like, um, I could see that on a t-shirt like, uh, or, uh, on a, a first time greeter at a church. Shalom me. Um, but you know, when he said, you know, I've just had a bad day for a long time. I thought that was really, really thing and a really big thing he's like not asking you who's helping you who's not helping you who's getting in the you know he's saying who's getting in the way um sometimes we get so caught up in our our struggles that we legitimately don't see when god is trying to move in our lives and for jesse he had been so dependent so long on trying to make things happen a certain way that um, it was hard for him to see what that was. And, you know, this was the famous take up your mat and walk thing in this capacity and that he did it on the Sabbath. But, um, I really did love the disciples question as they were walking out of the town at the end of the episode is like, Jesus, I know you weren't in a hurry. You could have waited 45 minutes. It wouldn't have been Sabbath. And then nobody would have beef with it. And for Jesus to make up or not to make up for Jesus to make the phrase. Sometimes you got to uh, trouble the water. You got to stir up the water. Um, that was great. And I also a hundred percent know that that ties into the jars of clay song or not the jars of clay, but the, the Dan Hasseltine song trouble that's on the chosen soundtrack and fits very well with the, um, the theme song of the chosen. So I get it. It was, it was a smooth line and it's like a throwback, a wink at the camera of what they're doing with their own theme song and everything else. But I just thought it was a really solid episode, really good, um, representation. And, uh, yeah, just thought it was cool. Um, so going on to episode five, as we see Mary, uh, 
picking up apples and being afraid of the Roman uh, guards and everything else. And the fact she was trying to learn her scripture, but that when she saw something that actually made her fearful, rather than trusting in the scripture that she had, uh, she ended up crumpling it up. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's very representative of all of us. That we can know all the right words, we can have all the right things to say, that it doesn't mean that when we're faced with struggles and we're faced with trials and we're faced with things that make us fearful, that we're not going to crumble in that moment. Um, so I really appreciated that. Um, second thing that really stood out to me just with this is that that spy dude is good at his job. He reminds me an awful lot of like the uh, investigator from Les Mis, um, literary and... Um, musical reference there but uh the spy guy just seems to really be on his game how he worked with jesse how he did all this stuff and everything um he just seems like a really good detective i'm enjoying him um as his role in this um and then let's just get back to say that simon zealot literally looks like you're in a training montage for assassin's creed like you just got your blade and now you need to learn how to use it. And he's out there like doing ninja junk in the woods. And I'm like, this dude's literally one hood away from playing Assassin's Creed, but it's whatever. Um, we get the demon possessed man with the seven demons in him walking up. And let me just say kudos to them because they made a demon possessed dude in the daylight, just walking out in the field, effectively creepy. Like, I get it, you could stage this at night and make it lit dark and you could present it even more cinematically in a dark fashion, but they managed to make a dude walking around in a robe in the daylight creepy. Just well done on the portrayal of that. So I think that was really neat and how they did that as well. Um, so one of the things that just hit me since um, I've seen John the Baptist in, I guess, season one uh, or two, wherever it was before... I feel like John the Baptist's portrayal and some of his dialogue feels like Fred Armiston's portrayal of Uncle Fester in the Wednesday show on Netflix. Just throwing that out there. Also, John's beard needs work. I get it. He's scraggly. He in the wilderness. It's cool. It's cool. Um, but his beard needs work. Um, but yeah, John the Baptist reminds me a little bit of Uncle Fester in that capacity. Um, I, I really loved um, Jesus's statement when he was arguing or discussing with John at the river where he said he's here for bigger things than breaking rules. And um, y'all that just cried out to my heart because it's easy for us, especially when we're righteous or self-righteous to want to just go after people breaking rules. But Jesus said he's here for bigger things than breaking rules. Um, but he was almost calling Jesus a coward for running and not standing and fighting. Um, he just wants to know when he was going to get to work. And I get that. Um, but also when uh, Jesus said calling them a brood of vipers was classy. <laughs> I, I just I wish there was more scripture or there was any scripture where Jesus just looked at the disciples and were like real classy guys, real classy. <laughs> I, I get it. Jesus doesn't need to be a character from the office, but it made me giggle. Um, so that was one thing. Uh, also, in David or in uh, John the Baptist's rant about David, 
He mentioned that David died in bed with a woman, a teenager that wasn't his wife. And this references back to if you've ever heard me talk about David, and I've mentioned this in some, uh, in I did a, I spoke at the Uncommon Group uh, online uh, last month, I think, or earlier this month, and uh, yeah, it was last month, and I mentioned this in one of the in the in the story that I taught was that um there's a portion in the Old Testament where David had a human snuggie. Where uh, David, when he was older, would get cold very frequently. And the way that they went around that was by having a young woman lay on top of David just to keep him warm. It wasn't in a sexual manner, but it was in a super awkward manner. And it got tied into weird family relations. And the fact that John the Baptist was annoyed about that is 100% accurate and beautiful because I feel like that's the type of thing that John the Baptist would have judged David for. And it's one of these rare, obscure Bible stories that always makes me giggle, and I love it. Um, so I just love that he was annoyed by it. Um, but John saying the phrase, or Jesus as well, um, that you know they've known about this stuff since the songs and the prophecies and everything else, but it's just heavy when it becomes real. And... Um, and for Jesus to say that he's always ready to do the will of his father, but that doesn't make it easy. Y'all feel it in my bones. Now I'm not saying I have like empathy or sympathy or that, you know, I'm more Christ-like than anything like that. Cause I know I'm not, but I feel that, um, because I always feel like I want to do the right thing, but doesn't make it easy. Um, it's like the Mumford and Sons line. I'm a cab, but I'm not a fraud. I set out to serve the Lord. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then, so before they even played the music or you heard the sounds or whatever, uh, when Mary was in the tent with uh, Rama working on the scriptures and her head started hurting, I yelled out in my house, <gasps> is she having demon spider sense? Can she tell a demon's near? And the fact that they did that, I thought was super dope. I thought that was good storytelling. I don't know that that's remotely biblically accurate, but that's really cool. And I'm really excited about it, and I loved it. And I think that's really, really freaking awesome. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that was really cool. I thought that um, how the demon uh, was cast out, you know, with Jesus just, like, at the buzzer from the three-fro line. Like, just he just yelled at him from a distance and cast him out. Um, I thought that that was really cool. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but then, uh, when John got to see the demon cast out and after everybody's in this tense moment and John just goes, yeah, um, I thought that was great. And it literally, because he's a small human, I was like, look, it's little John. And he just yelled, yeah, I, I just thought that was great. I thought it was great. Um, Oh, and also the, the line where Jesus said that, um, it's not so easy with distracted humans that when you're trying to lead, when you're trying to guide, when you're trying to do the right things, it's really, really hard to do when people are distracted. And I feel that to my core. Um, and for telling Simon the Zealot, you know, I don't need you. I have everything I need. But wanting you by my side needs to be enough that no one buys their way into the group. I just, again, 
so after I did the last podcast, uh, my friend Chrissy called me to tell me that, you know, because one of the things I stated in the last one was that it was the first time it hit me that the show's not about Jesus. The show's about the disciples because it's called the chosen because it's about the ones that he picked. She called me to tell me that she'd already watched all of it, like more than I've watched and it didn't hit her, but y'all, it really is about who he's picking and how he's picking. So I'm excited about that. Now, last thing I'll say about this, and I am still loving the whole experience and I'm just kind of sad that I'm waiting to watch this episode with each one with my family. Um, because now I love family time. I think that's great. But if I wasn't watching this, with my family, I would have been done by now and I would have seen stuff in theaters. Um, but I digress. Um, uh, this is the first episode and y'all have may have watched more of them or whatever, but, uh, you know how normally like we get the credits, we cut off. Did y'all know? And there may be more again. This is just the first one I saw it, that there is stuff after the credits. Like, uh, I got to the end of episode five and there were bloopers after the credits, like of when, uh, Simon the Zealot's doing his martial arts stuff. One of the crew comes and like drop kicks him or, uh, a dude walks up behind Jesus and John to say that they're done. And then there's just like little goofy post credit stuff. I didn't know that. So that's just bananas. So I think that's super cool that that exists like that. And, um, so yeah, I, I just think that's neat. Uh, before I bounce out, uh, I just want to go ahead and give a shout out to our Patreon supporters. Um, because our Patreon supporters help make everything uh, we do possible. And I'm grateful for them. So let me give a shout out to our Patreon supporters. Uh, we've got Scott Ward. Scott Ward is a uh, new Patreon supporter. So thank you, homie. I really, really appreciate that. Um, Alicia Benson, Candace Davis, Jay Sheed, Jillian, Jason Crutchfield, Michelle. Oh man. Makes me, hold on one second. I am going to, uh, shift that over. Um, just a little sad moment. Uh, Michelle, uh, is one of our former Patreon supporters and she passed away and I had her, I didn't have the active list clicked. That makes me sad. Anyway, Scott Ward, Alicia, Candace Davis, Jay Shield, Jillian, uh, Jason Crutchfield, Mike Perna, Todd Turner, John Jacobs, Zach Harris, Caleb Grimm, Jeanette Skaggs, Chris Poirier, Jason Bullock, Christina Ray, Sarah Lewis, Patrick Gale, Rebecca Godlove, and Adam Davis. Thank you all so much for being uh, Patreon supporters and making your contributions help Faith and Fandom go. And we're about to head out to our first con this weekend of 2023 and kind of hit the gr the ground rolling so thank you for listening i hope you've enjoyed our commentary on uh the chosen and if you've got some insight or commentary with this let me know and i'll just also say this i haven't watched episode six yet but i kind of think that when mary went rogue and she went into the city of jericho and everything else i think she's using her money or whatever to buy a scroll of scripture that she can read that's my guess. Just guessing here. Okay, peace out.